Hey everybody, this is Mark, and this is a very special episode that I'm releasing. It's not Mondays with Mark, but it is Mark, or I am Mark. And I'm going to be talking today with a good friend of mine, Tracy Sink. Tracy and her husband Keith have been involved in foster care now for five years, and they've been our friends for well over 10 years now. And I wanted to bring Tracy on to talk about the blessings, the discouragements, the challenges, the ministry of foster care. Maybe you've been thinking about foster care, but you've been afraid. Maybe you've been thinking about it, but you have no idea even how to begin. I asked Tracy some pretty pointed and in-depth questions, and she just hit them out of the ballpark. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I hope you will. Again, maybe you're not interested in fostering yourself, but you know someone that is and want to know how you could be an encouragement and a blessing to them. Or maybe you're considering it, and this information will help you along in your journey. Whatever the case may be, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Tracy Sink on the blessings and challenges of foster care. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the conversation. All right, so I am on the phone with a very good friend of my wife and, and eyes, my eyes and my wife's, my wife and me's. She's also a teacher, and I'm saying all of the wrong grammar here. Is it my wife and I? A very good friend of my wife and myself. Which one is it? I'm not. Hmm. Oh, my word. I teach kindergarten. We don't really have these issues. Yeah, they just pick their noses and. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. We're just happy they put a sentence together. I could be so. doing that right now and you wouldn't know because we're on the phone. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's the best that's part good. about audio. Anyway, so Tracy and Keith Sink are really, really good friends of ours. Um, we actually met them when they were part of the people responsible for uh, bringing my wife and I to the first church that we pastored in Holly Ridge, North Carolina, and uh, just a really, really, really special family. Tracy and her husband Keith have been involved in foster care, and they got involved in it not long after my wife and I finished uh, our process of adopting our daughter. So I thought that I would love to have a conversation with Tracy about about foster care, um, some of the realities of it, some of the misperceptions of it, their experiences, because there's a lot of people that are interested in it and just don't even know where to begin. So I've already told you her name, but I'll ask her now, Tracy, to go ahead and just uh, tell us a little bit about you and your family, uh, and then um, so that people can hear your voice and hear uh, who you are, and then I've got a list of questions, and we'll kind of dive right into it. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's quite an honor. So we mentioned my husband and I, and we have four children of our own. Our son is almost out of the house. I laugh because it's an ongoing topic, but he's a firefighter and Mm. so he's gone many nights from home. Our daughter is married. She's 22 and then we have twin 17-year-olds. So just to give you a context of what our our home looks like now, we do have um, teenagers left at home but no little ones. So as we talk about foster care, kind of Keep that in the back of your mind, the age group that we um, currently have in the home. My husband works and I work full-time out of the home, so we are fairly busy. So 
um, that comes into play too as we as we kind of talk about foster care and and um, some of the struggles and some of the um, time constraints that one might want to consider when they think about foster care. Yeah, I'm gonna say my husband and I. I don't I don't know. Um, I know that you have a list of questions for me, but um, so just. We have five years of foster care going in five years. to the time frame that we are talking about. So five years, um, I like, you know, I've told the same corny jokes for years, but, you know, when, when my wife and I first reached five years of marriage, I liked to joke that it had been just like five minutes underwater. Um, <laughs> and so that joke wasn't funny then. And she still thinks it's not funny now that it's been 20 years. Um, so I don't have any new material. Uh, man. Uh, so five years probably in some ways has gone by really fast. And then um, in, other, in other ways, it's probably seemed very long, would be my guess. That's an adequate description. I couldn't believe that it had been five years whenever I started thinking about this and putting together the timetable, it surprised me that it has been five years, but you're right. At the same time, <laughs> whenever I go through some of the, um, the thinking and some of the experiences, only five years. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so the, the second question that I had sent you um, was, why did you decide to get in, involved in foster care? But I want to also ask you at the same time, not only why did you decide to get involved, but um, how, did that, how did that process go with the conversations between you and your husband? So also whose idea was it and how did that, hey, I got an idea conversation go? <laughs> well, for our family, it wasn't an overwhelming desire to want to foster okay it became more of a question why not foster and think of it as people can be aware of the need in general of foster care for instance you know throughout a statistic there's 10,000 children in foster care in North Carolina but even though there's this great need it really doesn't affect my world so it's pretty easy to continue with your daily lives and not really think about foster care okay. to be honest but god put a family with four adopted children from foster care in our world and as we got to know them we got to hear their stories and see their successes and their struggles it started becoming more in our world. It started making us have conversations at home and beginning to bring it up. And then honestly, it just kind of seemed to be everywhere. We looked for about six months. It was on billboards. We would watch a TV show and sure enough, they'd bring foster care into it. Um, we'd go to church. Of course, this was, like you said, not long after you had your journey with adoption and so that was still fresh in our minds and i believe i even called erica at one point and mm -hmm. said 
how do you know if this is what you're supposed to do? And I really wanted to hear from Erica because I know that it wasn't her first love either. Right. And so how, what made her change her mind? And I just kind of wanted to know, like, how did God change your heart to um, cross over into this adoption world? So it just seemed like through her conversation of praying about it and God will, God will melt your heart or he will begin to soften your heart to the need. I felt like everywhere we began to look, it was being pointed in our direction. Again, as I think the Lord works, He puts just what we need when we need it, and Facebook listens. And so as I'm yes, checking Facebook, uh, a class shows up at one of the local churches, and it was from a Christian agency, and I thought, oh, um, so you can have a Christian agency that will sponsor you for adoption, uh, for fostering? Because a misconception or one of the things that we were worried about was, you know, that the evil DSS, right. um, your dependent social services, and inviting them to be in your home. And, well, you know, could we even say the name Jesus if we had a child in our home that belonged to the state? Could we, could we take them to church with us? It was all those questions. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, I called. And um, asked for some information. They were super nice. And they invited us to this wonderful meeting they were having. That would be a great question and answer meeting. And we showed up. We even tagged my sister and brought her along with us. And what we didn't know was it was not an informational meeting. It was week one of the classes. So we um, sat in those classes and or that class. We were able to ask questions, and they were super nice, super inviting, and they were like, hey, you've already done class one. There's only 11 more to go. You might as well come back and join us. So, You know, there are a lot of people who are involved in timeshares now who had that exact same experience. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, We've already been, and so... Um, we just kind of looked at each other, and it was like, "Well, we survived one meeting. I, I guess, I guess we could come back." So we did. We continued coming back until we completed the twelve-week course. And it's like each week we had a little bit more encouragement to keep showing up mm-hmm. and continuing. The, the process of becoming certified, and you don't have to go into long, I'm sure there's a lot of it that's just mind-numbing with all the paperwork, all of that. Um, if you could summarize um, the process, maybe in this way, describe the, the maybe the emotions of beginning the process versus the reality of what it was actually, what it was actually like. Um, when people are like, oh, I just don't know about that process. You've already mentioned, you know, the fear of DSS and 
um, and get, getting the state involved in your family and all of that. So you had all of those fears. How did the actual process uh, live up to uh, those initial reservations? Very thankful we had a good agency that we went through, and they were wonderful to walk us through each step. We, um, like I mentioned, we took a 12-week um, course, and that's pretty standard, I think, for most of foster care in the United States. Each state and each agency might have some things they add extra to it, but that was a pretty standard. And each week of that class kind of helped emotionally take you to the next step. They would address um, CSS coming in. They would address those fears. It would be addressing behaviors and things that you might see. So as far as the process, they really try as much as possible to paint a picture for you. But it's kind of like swimming. You can read and attend all the classes on swimming. But until you get in the water, you don't really know why. Why did they talk about that in that class? That seems yeah. weird. But when you get in the middle of it, you're like, oh, that's why they they brought that up. Okay. This is this why. Um, I would say you need to allow six months for the process. I think that's a good time range from the time that you think that you might want to do foster care. It could take six months to actually complete the process and get your license. Mm. It's not difficult, but it does involve a lot of paperwork, and they do try to get to know the family through home study. So you've been through a home study before. Yes, multiple. And that can be kind of involved. They they do interview each one of you separately mm-hmm. and then together and then in the home, out of the home, so that it can be able to ask personal questions and get to know you yeah. um, very personally. Yeah. And... The idea behind that is so that they know what makes your home run or tick or what trauma maybe you've been through mm-hmm. to um, help them to know what might be obstacles in bringing in a child in your home with trauma. So, um, you know, you got some typical, they walk through your home and you've got to do a fire inspection, but it's pretty simple to complete the requirements to get license. Just got to give it time and just walk through each step. I I think that the home study process, whether it's foster care or adoption, because the state does the same thing either way, is from my perspective, at least it's one of the biggest barriers. I know it was for us, especially if you grow up not involved with the state. If you grew up in a relatively stable home um, and for better or for worse, oftentimes um, social services is painted in a very negative way. Fairly or unfairly, it is what it is. And the idea of inviting an entity that you've worked hard to keep out of your life into your life and saying, you know, we're going to open ourselves up to you and tell you things about ourselves, that's terrifying. Or at least it was for us. Yes. Um, yes. And Again, I think. I go ahead. Was through a private agency so it was a third party that wasn't connected to um, DSS or necessarily to bear all the bear is the name of our 
our private agency that yep. does the thing in our community, but they do contract that person. So I didn't feel quite maybe as intimidated by that person, but the questions can be intimidating because yes. they, they do ask a lot of personal questions yep. um, that you know can catch you off guard if you're not expecting it. But the idea is to get to know you very well and to make sure again that you that you know um, that everything that they're asking is probably going to be um, poked at at some point when you bring a foster child into your home. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and they ask questions that probably one parent should ask another parent before you let your child spend the night at that person's house. But we just say, oh, I know this person from church. But, I mean, their 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 focus is the welfare of this child or children and also the welfare of the family. And it's good to keep that in mind when you're going through that right. process. Um, that right. They're not looking for a reason to disqualify you. That may happen, but they're looking to make sure that they can match you with a, with a, in a situation, whether it's adoption or foster care, that's going to be beneficial for both parties. And I think questions are the only way they can do it. But I acknowledge that that is a terrifying, um, a terrifying thing. I think just for our adoption, I think we had a total of three home studies because of the length of the process that we went through, and I didn't like any one of them. So, um, and Erica's even more private than I am. I mean, I tell people about my life for a living, so... Um, and she's like, you can say anything you want to about your life. Leave me out of it. Uh, so, you know, oh, it's difficult. So, um, which, go ahead. It is, um, to, to hopefully be more, um, mindful of the stability of the home to make sure that it can handle the trauma that a foster care, foster child could bring to your home. Yeah, we could do, I could do a whole nother interview on the subject of trauma, um, especially, yeah. especially for the church. I, I, I still do not think the church at large is adequately uh, educated and aware of, of one, the existence of trauma and its many forms and how that works itself out in the life of an individual. Um, and I'd like to see that change. And there are some good organizations that are, that are doing that, but um, that's a, that's a, that's a topic all to itself. Um, yeah, for sure. It has been an education for me. That's for sure. Um, yes, sir. So there are a lot of areas in foster care, um, uh, long-term, short-term, uh, respite care, um, which, uh, you, you and Keith, you guys were involved in which, which kind, how, what classification of foster care did you, have you done for the majority of that five years? So the majority, there's actually four, there's family foster, therapeutic foster care, okay. rest that you mentioned that already. And then there's intensive alternative family treatment, okay. IAFT, which is more for your severe um, behavior keeping a child out of a home or keeping them from being placed. We have actually, we've actually done all, all of those. Wow. Okay. Our longest 
placement that we had was the um, IHFT um, placement. Um, and that was actually our first foster child. Um, nothing like starting you out with um, the highest level. Right, yeah, and, go right into the uh, arena. As your, as your first child. So when you get that phone call, there's not a lot of information on the amount of time they might be in your care. You will get a phone call, and it, it will kind of give you some quick demographics. Hey, we've got a um, seven-year-old girl that, that whose name has come in on the wire. Um, we, we know that she's um, therapeutic foster care. She's got a couple of diagnoses of some mental health concerns. Um, we believe that her, her parents, um, you know, there was an issue with homelessness or there was an issue with drugs. They'll tell you what they do know. And then do you think you can take this child? Mm. So it, it's really that. Um, that little of information, and it's really that quick of a phone call. Like you're sitting there having to think, okay, it's a seven-year-old. Can I do a seven-year-old? And you start thinking of all the questions that you could possibly throw back at them, like, you know, what's the school options? What um, what grade? What else can you tell me? And um, if you accept, they could literally be at your door in an hour. Mm. So. Um, it, it can happen very quickly, but I've learned that as many times as I've gotten that phone call, they haven't always ended up at my house. So I've learned to let God open and close the doors when they call. If it's something that I think I can do, I'll say, you know, yeah, I think we can do that. Um, you know, call me back and let me know. But meanwhile, while they're calling me, they probably called six other people. Okay. And they're looking to see who says yes. And of the ones that say yes, who's in the best um, scenario to meet the child's needs. In other words, you know, in the county that I'm in, this child might be from two counties over and they might find someone closer. So um, to answer your question, there's, Family foster, which is generally if a child's just been removed, um, they would be counted family foster first, which means they might not have any diagnosis. They're just being treated as they just need um, a family to sleep with, or not sleep with, but a family to stay with for right. an indefinite period of time. Yep. Therapeutic, they have a mental health diagnosis. They're going to need... Um, more therapeutic care during the day, um, redirecting, prompting. They're going to need a little bit more supervision. And then from that, it goes up to the IHFT program. And then the other one that I mentioned was respite, which um, means someone could come and stay. That would be your short term. Okay. They already have a placement. But um, in normal life, you know, if the mom and dad wants to go out of town for an overnight trip, they call up grandma or they call aunt somebody. Yeah. Well, in foster care, they don't have that. So that ends up being the respite person. You get to play grandma for the weekend or, you know, aunt so somebody. Okay. So they come and stay for a night or two and it's usually 
for them to have a break from their normal foster care routine and to be able to have someone else invest in them so they see more than one person cares about them. Okay. So that's kind of the different levels and, and the kind of phone call you might get and the amount of time you really don't know. Okay. They might be with you for a month. They might be with you for a year or two years. You really don't know. When you say yes, you don't really always know how long the relationship is going to last. Well, so I'll follow up with with a question then um, that a lot of people have that that fear of they're afraid of fostering because they're afraid of being attached, getting attached, mm-hmm. and then having to say goodbye. I mean, you you know pretty mm-hmm. much with a foster child you're going to you're going to say goodbye at some point, um, and so uh, I guess what what's that been like for you and if you can, if you can, or want to speak to that, and then what would you say to someone that has that fear? Like, I, I would foster, I could foster, but I don't want to because I can't say goodbye to a child that I fall in love with. Oh, yeah, that one's a, that's a really a hard one. Saying goodbye is hard, so I'm not going to deny that that's not a hard part of this. However, I'm going to laugh and say that's not always true. <laughs> There's some you're like, thank you, Jesus. Um, someone else can probably help you more than I can. Um, I've done all I could do. And, um, saying goodbye is not that hard. Um, so sometimes it's not as hard as you think it will be. They stretch you and sometimes, you know, you aren't the one that can help them. There's true grief when your heart has grown to love a child and you have to tell them goodbye. You, you acknowledge that you take time to breathe, um, give your heart a little bit of space to heal, and then you ask God to open it again. Yeah. Um, there's, there's such a good feeling when they leave and it's for a good reason. Yeah. They achieve goals. The parents have met goals and they're able to reuni- reunify together it, it there's a feeling of we did it there was success they were able to get back to the relationship that they they wanted and needed all along yeah um, do you then think there's the opposite whenever a child leaves and you feel like they're not going to a place that you feel like um is what you want it to be. And that's, yeah. that's tough. Yeah. But you know the risk, but it's worth the heartbreak okay. because you see the difference you're able to make with them feeling the love and security in your home. So no matter how brief or how long the time is, when you see them be able to relax and not be tense because they finally feel they can trust someone mm. or that their environment is um, safe. That feeling that you saw that in that child 
makes up for, I don't know if the makeup is the right word, but it, it prompts you to keep going whenever you, you go through those heartbreak times. Do you think that, um, maybe the, the fear is, is somewhat unfounded on some level because a lot of people, again, they're not aware of the effects of trauma and children in foster care. Every single one of them have been traumatized to some level or another. They told us in the adoption arena, all adoption comes from loss and all loss mm-hmm. is trauma. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of these kids are not as lovable as Hallmark Channel would have you to, to believe. Um, by, and by that, I don't mean that they're not worthy of being loved. I mean, they're not open always to being loved. They don't know even what that looks like. Things like reactive attachment disorder um, are huge, where children are going to push, try to push you away at first if possible. Some of them, many of them. And so, so when someone's like, I'm afraid of getting attached, I'll just love this child so much. Love is actually really, really hard. Um, and it's not just something like you just trip over yourself and are like, oh, I'm in love with this child. In many cases, and I know from our conversations, and it's the same with us for adoption, it, you're making this choice. I'm going to love this child, and it will not be easy. Um, but there may be, are, have there been times, though, um, where you've seen, you know, where a child just came in, and yes, you know, they've experienced loss, but man, your heart just, it was like, you clicked the moment they walked through the door. No. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I'm looking no. for. Yeah. Cause I think that's what people think. People, so many people are, have an overly romanticized um, idea of they have an overly fearful idea of the DSS side and an overly romanticized idea of the relationship side. Um, I would totally, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Love does not, um, you, you hit that just so accurately. You can love so much, but understand that for all the love you have, that creates pain for them. There are so many walls around their heart that they're not willing to allow you to love them. Yeah. Love hurts. And therefore, if I open my heart to even a little bit to let love come in, to let love come in, you're going to hurt me. So there is a huge um, trust factor there. So um, sacrifice, you, you sacrifice. It's a very sacrificial love because you will learn so much about yourself Uh and even how Christ, love you. I heard that so many times in our training that you will learn so much more about God's love through fostering. And I, I didn't get it. But once we got into fostering, it, it becomes so much greater because you can love and love and you can have such a sacrificial love and they can walk away from it and never shed a tear or care and you can you can get a sense of a little bit how God views mankind he gave such sacrificially gave his life Mm -hmm. and yet 
we can just walk away without shedding a tear. And it will definitely challenge your um, your inner core on how you feel about love and are you willing to give love when a child can give absolutely nothing back to you. As a matter of fact, they can do nothing but cause you pain. Uh-huh. Can you still can you still love? So when parents talk about they would just love them too much and couldn't give them up, you're right. Sometimes that's a very romantic feeling about foster care, and it's not always an adequate feeling of what really happens um, in the connection world with, with foster kids. What, do you, what would you say has been um, the biggest blessing? I know I had one of the questions of how has it impacted you. We can kind of all roll that together. The biggest, but the biggest positive or blessing that you've seen for yourself, um, your family. Uh, we could talk about uh, the children you've cared for, but maybe we'll focus on how how has this been used in a good way with all of the ups and downs and struggles. What blessing and, and benefit have you seen for yourself and your family through the struggle of, of foster care? So we have gotten to love some really great kids. So even though we talk about sometimes how difficult that love can be, we have met some really um, some good kiddos along the way and just really have been able to pour into them. We've been able to stay in contact with some of, some of the um, foster care children that have come through, and that's a blessing whenever um, you make a connection and the parent, the biological parent, doesn't see you as an enemy, and they are willing to share parenting with you. That's such a blessing. Um, we have gotten the, with us being involved in church, when children have come in our home, uh, we have like a whole package because our whole family takes to them. And so that's been a blessing. Our whole family's gotten involved. So they get, they come into our home. They not only get, you know, mom and, and dad, although, you know, we won't ever be their mom and dad. But they get that father and mother figure. Figure we are fortunate to live near grandparents, and they have jumped on board as well. And so they are involved. And then we go to church, and our church family um, loves on our foster kiddos as well. So it's been a blessing to watch them be loved by so many people, and we've come to see many of them accept Christ Yes. Um, as a result of that. And so I think when you look at fostering and you look at the struggles and the sacrifice, ultimately when you see one come to that point that they are, again, it's a trust factor. You can tell them about Jesus. You can talk about love, but until they're willing to let down walls and accept that, um, you don't, you don't get to see that, but we have had, thanks to all of the relationships and the people pouring into them, we've gotten to see a couple of them 
come to know Jesus. And so to me, that's the biggest blessing and that's what has made it worth it for us. Making an eternal difference. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. for sure. So let's Um, pretend, let's pretend that you were going to something like a birthday party or a baby shower, but the mm -hmm. focal point of this party is there's a family that's, going into foster care and everybody gets to give them one gift and that gift is one piece of advice. And so you think long and hard about a piece of advice that you would want to give if you could only give one and you put it in a box and you wrap it up, they unwrap it and they pull out your advice. What is that thing that if you could get the ear of every potential foster parent, um, you would say, listen to me, I need to tell you this. What would that be? I think it would be to connect with another fostering family. Mm. You, you need support. It's really not something you can do on your own. You need somebody to, um, that you can cry on the phone to and they'll listen and just let you, cry and be able to say you know I'm listening and I'm, I'm praying for you and um, you know that they really mean it and they aren't going to look at you like you've got three eyes when you say some of these things Yes, that's hard or um, that you can't tell the rest of society because they wouldn't get it. So you need someone that you need someone that you can talk to that gets it. And so I'm thankful my sister joined in. Mm -hmm. And so she was my person. And, and so, you know, we had times where, where we needed a backup person. Um, You can call the crisis line. But it's going to be 45 minutes before they get there. Uh-huh. It was it was nice to be able to, to her to call me or me or I to call her, and we could be there in five minutes and resolve, you know, a conflict. Um, having a support person um, in the battle with you is probably, I think, it's made the biggest difference for us as far as remaining in this um, ministry. You've mentioned the church a couple of times, and, you know, it's it's wonderful to have a supportive church family. Um, we're blessed here to have uh, several members of our church who have also adopted um, children, both domestically and internationally, and that is... Uh, Again, so nice to have someone to talk to who knows who's been through it and walked through that same process and the experience. Not all churches um, and not all Christians um, are are prepared to help. Um, if, but if a church or an individual was wanting to help someone who's doing foster care, a family member of theirs, someone in their church, but they just you know they don't know they don't know what to do. Um, they don't know what to say. Um, what, uh, what would you, let me see, how can I word this? What are, what are some things, what are some things that 
the church or people in your life have done that you really loved that you're like, I'm so thankful that they were here to do that. And what are some ways people have tried to help that have not been helpful? So letting the children be normal. Mm. And when I say normal, letting them do normal kid things. So you mentioned like the birthday party, invite them to birthday parties, invite them to play dates. Although it's going to be a sacrifice because you know they're going to need a little bit more supervision. Mm-hmm. Um, someone being able to say, hey, you know, can Sally Sue come over to our house for an hour so you can um, take a bath or mm-hmm. um, drink a cup of coffee silently for an hour is a great um, way to help Um when that phone call comes in and you get, you know, a three-year-old that you weren't expecting that day and you've got to have a car seat, you've got to have clothes or whatever um, for people to just pitch in and have it there mm. in, in a matter of a day is, is wonderful. Um, a supportive listening year, I mentioned that um, already. Um, something that's not doesn't work real well is is for that point that famous speech of, well, um, you knew that would happen. <laughs> you know, that, that's not real helpful. We heard um, that ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you knew that was going to happen. Right. Or, um, you know, well, what do you think? It was a foster child. Did you? Yeah. Did you not expect them to put a hole in your wall? Yes, I knew that might happen, but that's not probably what I want to hear in that moment. Can you, can you tell me, Hey, we can pack that. It's okay. Remember, love them. We can fix that wall, but we might not be able to fix their heart if we don't help them through this kind of crisis. So just being supportive and not, um, not negative. Okay, so this question is not on the list, but I have to ask it now. Um, and okay. you don't, you don't, but you don't have to answer it. Um, when <laughs> okay. you started fostering, it's been five years. Um, your two, your two youngest biological girls, uh, twins, they're getting ready to graduate in a year from from high school. So they were young teen, um, just going mm-hmm. into their teen years at that time. You'd already raised uh, two other children. And you have two adult children as well. And so you're, you were an experienced parent is my point. You were not a new parent. Like you'd done the parenting thing. You were a, um, you know, a, a discipline expert. You knew how <laughs> to raise, you know, I'm not saying that you would have done this, but maybe if someone had tried to tell you that this is going to be hard, you might've said, oh, honey, sweet, look, I've, I've raised my kids. I know how to parent. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> What what have you learned about parenting and how parenting is different when you're a foster parent? How hard was that for you having to adjust your parenting style for a child that was under your care, um, but you know different? I mean, tell me tell me about that. How how big of a challenge was that for you to to switch gears midstream? Difficult. Um, I've had to really look at behaviors 
differently. And the phrase behaviors represent a need Mm. has a whole different meaning to me now. These children come from hard places, hard places that we can't even sometimes imagine what they've seen, heard, or been through. And their acting out is some form of communication. And you cannot treat it the way you would treat your biological child who has grown up in a loving, secure, trusting environment. Mm-hmm. I think there's the book, um, I can't remember, about giving your child, um, giving, gaining your child's heart. Mm. And it's so true. When you're biological children, you, you, could, you have their heart. You don't have the heart of a foster child. Mm-hmm. So whereas your child might do something wrong, and they feel disappointed because they disappointed you. You don't have that reaction with a foster child. So discipline is completely different. And boy, have I had to um, do definitely some, some shifting of the mind on that. My teaching experience helped somewhat because I've, I've had... Um, I've actually had foster children in my class before I fostered. Again, one of the things that God let me um, experience. But it is different. And you do have to sit back and evaluate every behavior to try to figure out. They weren't probably just being defiant. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. Right. But what message did I miss? Yeah. Um, we had a child that was extremely, would come across extremely defiant. And if you reacted, um, with the, um, like you would to a defiant child, it would only escalate and get much worse. And what we've come to figure out was that was how she reacted if she had anxiety about something new. Yeah. Instead of facing something new, if I can make them get upset with me, I won't have to do it. So you you really do have to um, think out of the box to a whole different way of looking at behaviors. And my husband and I were discussing this, and that's something he said, too. I don't look at children having behaviors now the way I would have five years ago. Oh, absolutely. Even in the grocery store, you know, you see that child misbehaving in the grocery store and you're thinking, let me tell you what, that was my, that was my child. I'd, I'd right. take them outside and show them. Yep. We're not acting like that in the grocery store, but now I'm thinking, Oh, I don't know what's going on. I, I wonder if they're just having a bad, a bad day. I wonder if this is a trigger. I wonder if there's something going on that, that I don't, see and that parent is trying to remain calm and not react yeah so definitely see things differently now for sure Mm. okay last question and it's the biggest one of the whole of the whole thing and here we are at the end of it probably take an hour to answer it um we just had mother's day 
and True. I don't normally, I don't normally preach a uh, a themed message. I don't know if you remember that. Or not. I'm not, I'm not big on themed messages. Right, and, I do remember that. But I decided this year, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a themed message this year. And we, I showed a little, a little Mother's Day music video, and we talked about moms, and I preached about moms, and I was really proud of myself that I had done that, and only to find out that there were people in the sanctuary that it really put them to pain because the idealized message that I preached didn't represent their story. Um, And I'm continually being made aware of this, that things like family, it's not as easy to preach a, to teach on, you know, a marriage and family conference when families don't look like they used to anymore. Um, At least like they used to predominantly look. And so here's, here's the question. How, how can the church do a better job of messaging because if you have someone in your church that's fostering a child or it's adopted a child and a ch- and the church is not aware of I don't know how we couldn't be but we're just not um, aware of the pain that is is sitting in the pews how can we how can we help the church to change its messaging in a way that we reach out preach on the importance of the home and the family while not presenting an ideal of the family that is painful to the very people we're trying, we're trying to help. And if, if that's, I don't know if that's a coherent question, but it's something I feel sometimes we're tone deaf and those of us in this industry, in this arena, I think have an obligation to try to help the church with this. So how do you think the church can be better and more adequately prepared with their messaging um, to actually help and not hurt? Wow, that one's, that's a big one for sure. Holidays are really hard. Mm. Um, and from the foster care side of it, it is everything that they don't have. Um, one of the um, misconceptions of foster care is you might be able to offer them the whole world, you know, the Disney world, the, the bedroom, the toys. Mm but you can't ever offer them what they really want, which is their family. And so, you know, I had several Sunday school teachers contact me the night before Mother's Day with apprehension. Like, how how do I address Mother's Day? We we want to do something for our moms, but at the same time, we don't want to cause a problem. And so a big thing is, and I know this isn't, doesn't really apply to your messages, but for the kids is giving them toys, you know, on Mother's Day, giving them the ability to talk about their mom, let them share their story. Mm-hmm. What What do you want us to know? You know, what do you remember? Um, just giving them a voice and letting them um, share what they want to share and recognizing that it is a hard day for them. You know, I'm kind of torn because at the same time that there is this pain, you you also don't want to take away from, you know, the families that, that you know, have. Yeah, no, absolutely. Needed. Yep. And so, like, how, how do you, um, you know, walk that fine line of, of not causing any more pain than, than is necessary? And, and I think you just, 
you just be very honest, like acknowledge, acknowledge what it is, you know, that this is a day to recognize our moms, but moms may not look um, like what you may typically think of, you know, a mom might be a single mom that is a foster mom. Okay. She's, she's in the role of mom. I think she should be recognized. Mom could be, you know, a mom that hasn't been able to have any children of her own, but um, she still earned the title of mom because she's cared for other others' kids. Uh-huh. So I don't know that there is a, a right answer for that one, but I think acknowledging the hard um, while still recognizing the good. Yeah, I think that's good. If, if I can, can, can say it that way. I think that's good. I, I think maybe just being being aware um, being aware, I think that is huge, just being aware of um, what could be all around you. And uh, it just, like I said, just trying to recognize, recognize the hard in the middle of the good. Very good. Well, I have pestered you and picked your brain for almost an hour on the record. Um, so whew, you can take a deep breath. Now, I whoa. wasn't going to make it that long, but... Um, yeah, we get on the subject. It is. It can be kind of passionate, and can and um, can definitely talk about it. First. Yeah, and you know as well as I do. I mean, because you have the list of questions as well. You know, I combine some, skip some. We could we could talk for another two hours easily. I mean, just recently we for did sure. sit at a kitchen table and talk for a long time. It's it, you know, it's for such sure. a big topic. I wish it was something that we we talked about uh, more often, um, but. I am glad that you were willing to at least come in and share some of that. And I'm hopeful that someone that's either in foster care, thinking about foster care, um, that this might give them some information and motivate them. Uh, Christian, We need Christians involved in both adoption and foster care. And I'm glad that the for right now, anyway, the industry still is, is allowing it. And um, I'd like to see more people take advantage of it. Um, yeah if they're called, Absolutely. but it is a calling. Would you agree with that? Like you need to be called to do this. I, I definitely would agree that it, it is a ministry and not everybody can do the ministry, but I think everybody can be involved. Yes. So maybe um, your part of the ministry maybe isn't in the home, but like you mentioned earlier, you can be a listening ear. You can bring supper over one night mm-hmm. or you can just, you can take a child out fishing because that would be a, a way to support and help. So yes. yeah, I think everybody can do something, but it may not all look the same. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, you got papers to grade and, uh, a few, uh, 40 winks to catch hopefully before the next, oh, yes. uh, the next, yeah. uh, uh, busy, busy school day. So I, uh, yes, I'll say goodbye once we end the, the recording, but I'm going to go ahead and, and end the recording. And Tracy, thank you so much for, for, thank you uh, for having yeah, being willing. And thank your husband also for letting you come on and, and talk about your, your life to the, uh, to the uh, um, tens of people who will listen to this. Uh, <laughs> millions of people well, choose not to listen to this every single week. So um, well, I, we're working at it. I hope we, we, um, up some thought about foster care and um, people will consider how can they get involved put foster care in your world and, and find a way to get involved very good all right well thank you so much thank you
Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to that episode, the interview with Tracy Sink in regards to foster care. I hope you've really found this to be interesting. I hope you found it to be encouraging. Maybe you're considering going into foster care. Maybe this has helped to answer some questions. Maybe it's just helped to make you a little bit more aware of what families who are involved in foster care go through and why they do what they do. And maybe how you can be a help and a blessing to them. Look, everybody's path is different and you may not be called to be a foster parent. But every one of us ought to be looking to be a help and a blessing to the people in their lives. And so if this has helped to raise awareness, if this has helped, again, to educate and encourage, then we have fulfilled our goal. So again, thanks to Tracy Sink and her husband, Keith, for their willingness to allow me to do this interview. And I hope that you will share it. Maybe you know someone that's involved in foster care and this episode would be an encouragement to them. Share it with them by all means. If you're involved in a church and there are people in your community that do foster care, share this with the members of your church. Let them hear it. And again, all it can do is help and benefit those who are either involved in foster care or have people in their lives who are. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting this channel and this podcast. And I look forward to bringing more content like this to you in the near future. Reach out and let me know what you think. Click subscribe, click like, click share. I always look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, everybody. Again, this is Mark. We'll see you on Mondays with Mark and at other times along the way. Have a great day, everybody.